Get ready to talk some baseball. Welcome to the King's Corner, talking baseball with Jim Layritz. From spring training to the World Series and beyond to the postseason, Jim and his guests tell it like it is and have all of the bases covered. Now, here's Jim Layritz. Welcome, everyone. Well, a whole nother week has gone by, and we are that much closer to opening day. Of course, the first opening day will be in Japan on Wednesday, March 28th, with the A's and the Mariners. But on the state side, we will be opening up April 4th with the St. Louis Cardinals and the the new Miami Marlins at the famous new stadium down there in Miami. And uh, that will be our opening day. And, of course, everything's heating up. The teams are getting closer and closer to making cuts, starting to get their teams ready to move north. Uh, you know, we're probably about at least about five or six days away from some of these teams starting to break camp, going back to their respective ballparks and playing a couple exhibition games in front of the hometown fans. I know here in L.A. we're getting ready to they're, – they're beefing up the Dodgers versus the Angels, the old uh, I-5 series, I think they call it, or something like that. But uh, – you know, a lot of exciting things happening, a lot of news going on. We'll talk a little bit, of, a little bit later with uh, Chad Jennings from the Journal News for the New York Yankees. Uh, talk about Andy Pettit, Jobber Chamberlain surgery, uh, and a lot of things that are happening down there in Yankee Camp in Tampa. But first, my first guest is an old friend and a former, I think, assistant GM of mine, uh, and now the voice of the Angels. In Victor Rojas, and Victor is in Arizona, has been watching this team. Victor, how are we doing today? Doing all right, man. I was actually your daddy in Newark, man. I was the GM there. That's what I thought. I wasn't sure if you were the, the assistant GM or the head GM, but uh, yeah, we, we were together in Newark, and you know, since that time, we've both gone on to bigger and better things, and of course, you now are the voice of the Angels. Uh, I've been listening to you since I've been out here for the last year or so. Uh, Victor, I mean, there's not much more you can say really about the excitement that this Angel team has this part of the country on right now uh, as far as with the additions of Albert Pujols and C.J. Wilson. Tell me a little bit about you've been over there in Arizona now. Tell me the feeling you're getting over there and what Albert Pujols has brought to this ball club. Well, I I think, uh, Jim, I think everyone, as you were just talking about, teams getting ready to head north or break camp and go to their respective cities or play whatever exhibitions with minor league teams. I, I, I got the feeling that the, most guys in that Angels clubhouse right now are just chomping at the bit for that April 6th opener against Kansas City at the Big A. I mean, they just uh, I'm not saying that they're all locked in and all ready to go. I think that they are just tired of, uh, of waiting for opening day. And I think it all goes back to the press conference uh, what second week of uh, December, first week of December, uh, announcing the signings of CJ and and Albert, and I, I think from that point forward, it seems like every everybody associated with the Angels has been watching the second hand on the clock, and it's just been tick by miserable tick, waiting for that that first pitch to be thrown of the season. I think that pretty much sums it up. And as far as what Albert brings to the table, I mean, you you've been around him, you know what he is. Uh, everyone's excited. Uh, they, they love the idea of having him in the clubhouse. He's an easy guy to get along with. Uh, and, and from a, from a hitter's perspective, you see guys picking his brain. And not only that, him offering advice. I saw him yesterday, uh, during the game, uh, that was being televised. Abreu was at the plate 
and they were talking about Kendrys Morales, who had just uh, who had just gotten back into the dugout, and they showed a picture of of Pujols, and he was standing up, and he was uh, simulating Bobby Abreu's stance from the left side, and kind of something that he thinks that Abreu is doing wrong as far as his loading, and so those those are the things that. You know that yeah. As much as Tory was uh, the team leader and, and stuff like that, those are the things that you know guys in that dugout tend to perk up and listen to and and kind of want to watch and emulate as much as possible. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think the biggest thing with that is number one, when you got a guy this big, known as one of the best hitters. I mean, I remember playing with Mattingly and and Boggs and those guys, and really, you know, they're, they're, they put themselves in a different level as far as respect goes and what you can learn from them. And I think, you know, one of the things I've been so excited to hear about Albert uh, is, you know, he's coming to a young team, you know, some veterans on the team, but also a fairly young team with a lot of new guys coming in, a lot of different things. And, you know, he just signs this big $250 million plus contract and things like that. But you hear every morning, especially in the beginning, He's showing up at 6.30, quarter to 7, going into the batting cage, working, and like you said, talking to other players about it. That influence right there alone has to be such a, a plus for Mike Sosha and the Angels that he, Albert, despite, like I said, his, his prominence. I remember Don Mattingly. That's the one thing I loved about him. He was the superstar, but yet he wanted to help everybody else get better, and it really just made the team that much, that, that much better. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, and that's that's probably how he got the moniker of the machine because he is he is a machine. I mean, he is uh, he's a guy that uh, wants to be in the in the lineup uh, as much as possible during spring training games. And you you know how it is, especially in, in today's game with the money that's thrown around and the commitment that teams make to these individual players. You know, they they are with they're taken care of with kid gloves, and rightfully so. I don't have a problem with that. But uh, you know, there there's, there are exceptions. And Albert tends to be one of those exceptions where he wants to get as many ABs against live pitching, not on the backfields, not in B games, not just in the cages, but he wants to see he wants to see those guys. He wants to see those aces uh, as much as possible, so that obviously he gets better and gets tuned up for uh, for uh, not only a new season but a new league and learning new pitchers. And I don't think it's going to take him, you know that long. Uh, I, I think there's a separation between the guys that live in Albert's world and everybody else in Major League Baseball. It doesn't take those guys that long to turn the switch and, and figure out a new league, but uh, there is still, of course, just some sort of adjustment that he's going to have to go through. Yeah, I think so, but one of the things I look, Victor, I look at this team, and now that Albert is there, yesterday was a big milestone, I think, and you could tell me a little bit more about the reports today, maybe, uh, about Kendra Morales finally being in the lineup for the first time yesterday. And what that, how did that go, number one? Uh, and number two, what does this mean for this ball club to be able to maybe get this guy back? Well, it went well from the standpoint he went two for three, uh, scored a run, a big, uh, a big I guess, uh, plateau for him or uh, uh, a benchmark for him was getting on first base and then moving – to third on a double by Abreu down the left field line and then sliding onto the ankle at third base uh, and then eventually scoring a run. Uh, we saw him slide uh, and score from, uh, in a minor league game from first base on a triple. Uh, look, is he ever going to be the same exact guy? Not that he was a burner to begin with. Same exact guy? Not, I, don't, I, don't, I don't foresee that being the same exact guy as a base runner. Uh, I mean, you get two major surgeries 
uh, on the left ankle, there's going to be some sort of residual effect on it. Does it have an effect of him uh, on uh, as far as hitting? No. Will it have an effect on him uh, on fielding? It might perhaps a little bit range-wise, uh, especially with you know the plant and turning uh, to his right to get a backhand. But other than that, uh, I think he's going to be just fine. And uh, a good sign today is that he's scheduled into the uh, he's penciled into the lineup. Uh, there's a split squad today against Milwaukee in the afternoon against Cleveland at night, and he is penciled in right behind Albert Pujols in the night game against Cleveland at Goodyear uh, for tonight's ball game. So that's that's obviously a good sign. He said last night after the game that he thinks in five to six games uh, that uh, he feels like he had enough at bats to to get his timing down. Remains to be seen. Uh, but that being said. Uh, Kendrys was a guy that was born to hit. He's just he's, he's just got that ability to, to to make contact, good eye hand eye coordination. Uh, the question becomes, when will he be able to really drive the ball? And we've seen him be able to drive drive it in BP. It's different at game speed. Uh, but I tell you what, if he's healthy, uh, come April sixth, and he is on that opening day roster. Uh, it's it's like picking up another free agent, uh, something that you weren't necessarily counting on, but just hoping on during the off season, considering he's missed almost two years. All right, you mentioned that you saw the lineup tonight, and he's hitting behind Albert Pujols as the manager, Mike Sosha. If I, you know, and I'm a former catcher, I think like a manager sometimes. Is this where I am going to insert him in the lineup if he's if he's healthy and he's ready? Putting him as a number one as a switch hitter, but behind Albert Pujols, is this going to be the spot that they put him in, or they're, they're foreseeing him in possibly? You never know with Mike because he, he, he's never run out 162 identical lineups. He's, he yeah. likes to mix and match as much as possible. But I think in a perfect world, Jimmy, uh, especially because of the lineup is somewhat uh, right hand centric uh, for the Angels. That uh, if if Kendrys is ready to go, I think the, the the best place for him to be is in that fourth spot, right behind Albert, and then just drop everybody else back down a spot. Hunter, then Wells, then Trumbo, then Ionetta and Borges, and then the two guys sitting at the table at the top: uh, Eric Ibar, the shortstop, and Howie Kendrick ahead of Albert. Uh, yeah, exactly, and I think that's that's a situation where it's going to even benefit Morales because he's going to see a lot better pitching. He's going to be, you know, he's going to get the opportunity a lot more uh, to be able to do that. And if he's up to if he's up to any close anything close to his old form from before, uh, that could be a very dangerous one-two punch uh, in that Angel lineup. One of the things, Victor, too, that I've been trying to keep an eye on as close as possible. Uh, and it's hard from this distance, but you've been able to be up close to it, is the pitching staff and Chris Iannetta coming over and now being the catcher. And one of the biggest issues last year was, you know, not, not necessarily Mathis's defense and the way he handled the pitching staff, but his offense. Let's talk a little bit about we know we get better offense from Iannetta. How has he been able to get along with these guys in the pitching staff? And has that transition been pretty good? Have you had a chance to talk to him about that? Yeah, I have, and he says it's just like anything else. It's a work in progress. Uh, you know, you got uh, you, you got two guys at the top end of that rotation, and Weaver and Heron, that are very cerebral. They know exactly what it is that they want to do. They've got their own uh, scouting tools. They know what their approach is. And uh, to Jeff Mathis's credit, uh, and based on the work that they had done with those two guys, uh, especially with Heron over the last year and a half, you know, you, you, it takes a little time to get on the same page where you don't have to think as a pitcher out there. 
You just see what the catcher's doing, you react to it, and move forward. And just like anything else, there's that there's that learning curve. But I think uh, Chris is an extremely bright guy. It's not going to take a whole lot for him to, to kind of get in the flow of things. He was slowed for a couple of days, uh, got a foul hit from behind the plate on his right elbow, but he's fine. He's playing again today. Uh, so I, I think he's going to be fine. And offensively, yeah, it's a boost up from Jeff Mathis. Uh, Jeff struggled mightily. Uh, he, you thought for a minute that maybe he'd turn the corner. Was it 09? I think it was the series against the Yankees in the postseason where he started swinging the bat and driving the ball. And then he got off to a pretty decent start uh, in, in 2010 and then got hurt. And from that point forward, just couldn't find it. And uh, it, it was miserable for him. Uh, fans got on him quite a bit. Uh, but, uh, you know, you know, you had a new sheriff in town in Jerry DePoto. Uh, Jerry wanted to address the on-base percentage situation. One of the positions he wanted to upgrade was catcher, and that's why he went after Chris Iannetta. All right, Victor, well, listen, we got to take a quick break real quick. I'm going to come back and talk about the pitching staff and the bullpen uh, to finish out. And uh, we will be right back in two minutes to talk to Victor Rojas, voice of the Angels. flagship station for sports voice america sports jim lawrence is a two-time world series champion motivational speaker and author of catching heat a brutally honest book about the highs and lows of a professional athlete and life after baseball most people know jim as a man who has always beaten the odds jim has never forgotten that with hard work dedication and god's power one can overcome anything visit jimlayritz.com to get a copy of jim's book or to schedule jim for your next corporate fundraiser or event the address again is jimlayritz.com Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're inside the King's Corner talking baseball with Jim Lairitz. It's time to hear from you. Call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also send an email to info at jimlayritz.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back, everyone. And, of course, we have Victor Rojas, Voice of the Angels, uh, on the line with us. And we've been talking a little bit about the offense, Albert Pujols, Kendry Morales, all these good things about the offense. We're going to shift gears a little bit. We're going to talk pitching. And, of course, Victor, i got to look at this pitching staff. And, and I have to say, I think back to my Yankee days, that 
the first four guys in this rotation, I can pretty much throw out there if I'm Mike Sosha and say, here's the ball, go get them, and we got a chance to win every single day with those four guys. Tell me a little bit about what you think about this pitching staff and how it's looked so far. Yeah, I, I think, Jim, that uh, you go back two years ago when uh, when John Lackey left uh, and signed his deal with the Boston Red Sox, he kind of left Jared Weaver as the default ace. And uh, the one thing that he didn't, he, you know, he didn't like that. He didn't, he didn't like being known as the ace. But all he did was go out there and have an incredible year. And then he followed it up last year by starting six and zero in the month of April, uh, and then obviously finishing behind Verlander in the Cy Young. Uh, you know, the, the guy just knows how to pitch. It's not overwhelming. Uh, he's not going to light up a radar gun, um, but he's deceptive. He's got three pitches that he could throw for strikes. Uh, he's not afraid to throw anything at any point. Uh, he is a fly ball pitcher, and, it, and he benefits pitching in this ballpark, uh, especially in night games. Uh, but uh, he, he's the ace of the staff. And as far as Dan Heron is concerned, I mean, the, the dude is just uh, hes just a dude. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't look like anything. He's strong as an ox. And uh, you know you're going to get fastballs and splitters, you know, for the most part. He'll spin one up there on occasion. But he works off of both of those pitches. Uh, He's throwing that no-seam fastball, that little two-seamer into lefties, and really, if he's got it going, he just locks up left-handed batters. Urban Santana, is he's basically a fastball slider guy, but when that slider is on, it is it is unbelievable. Just ask the Cleveland Indians last year when they got no hit uh, yeah. in the rest of the field. And with, and with C.J. Wilson, uh, you know, C.J. has really done one heck of a job uh, over the last couple of years as a starter talked his way into the rotation uh, two years ago with Texas and hasn't looked back. And I think uh, I think that brief time with Cliff Lee really helped him at the end of 2010. Uh, I think he took it a step further last year with Texas, really establishing that cutter and that fastball on the inside part of the plate to right-handers, which opens up the outside part of the plate for that changeup that he's been working on uh, this year. He's, he's looked really good this spring. All right, Victor, that leaves us one spot left in the rotation, and you've been able to see a couple guys throw this spring. Who do you think takes that spot? I think, well, Jerome Williams was probably the odds-on favorite uh, going in just because he's a veteran sinker baller, uh, but he had a hamstring issue, and I think he scheduled the pitch for the first time on Monday. Garrett Richards, the youngster that we called up last year, uh, you know, he's a little erratic. He had good arm, live fastball, live heavy sinking ball. Uh, but couldn't command the strike zone. He looked locked in this spring. I don't know if uh, they had some tweaks in his mechanics as well. They thought he was tipping some pitches. He just looks good. Everything's been down in the zone. So I, I think he probably has a just a slight uh, a hamstring of a lead over Jerome Williams uh, for that fifth spot in the rotation. All right, now we round out our rotation, and let's go to the bullpen. And, of course, you know, with Walden last year coming in as the closer, having a little rough time, you know, everyone feels like, okay, coming into this year, he had his growing pains last year. He should be the guy in the bullpen. How has he looked so far, and what do you think about him uh, taking on this role now full-time, knowing that he is going to be the guy this year? I, I think he'll be fine. Uh, I mean, you got to remember the guy was an all-star. He had 10 blown saves last year, but he was an all-star. Uh, he's got great stuff, and uh, it's just a matter of being able to, to harness those mechanics. You know, he's got he's got oddball mechanics. Uh, at one point, throughout his delivery, he's he's in midair, and it, it it's kind of weird, and and still be able to run it up there, at, you know, triple digits on occasion. It, it's, it's it's something I've never seen. That's how strong he is. 
but uh, there are times where he can be erratic. And if, if he can't throw the breaking pitch for a strike, his slider, uh, then he's in trouble. He's also working on a changeup uh, that's, that's actually pretty good. Uh, but I, I think he's going to be the closer going into the season. I think the addition of Latroy Hawkins is going to help him quite a bit. Scott Downs is pretty much the eighth inning guy. He was unbelievable last year against righties and lefties. And I think the addition of Jason Edringhausen, uh, if he makes the team, and I, I think he will, uh, just helps with the depth and, uh, and shortening games. The thing is, too, we just talked about the rotation. You got guys that work deep in games, uh, and so you almost have to fight them to get out of ball games. Uh, you know, that's, that, that's a good problem to have that you've got some depth in the bullpen, plus you got starters that are capable of going deep. Right. All right, Victor, we look at this ball club, we look at this team, and we talk about all the strengths, all the positives. What's the one thing that you see, you've seen this so far this spring, that kind of concerns you as far as the Angels for 2012? I, I think if there is one thing that you, you know, quote-unquote worry about, I think uh, uh, it's probably that, that, that closer role. Uh, although I think Latroy Hawkins could be that guy unless, you know, you start looking out at the free agent market, not the free agent market, but the uh, trade market. Uh, but I think LaJoy can close. I think his fastball is back in the mid-90s, uh, and he's got the moxie and, and, uh, and the know-how to do it. Uh, but I think if there's one thing that stands out, assuming Kendrick Morales continues to progress, I, I think it's probably that if I had to pick one thing. All right. Well, Jerry DePito's got a lot of pressure on him going into this season. You know, we talk about you know this division, this, with this West division being pretty wide open. Uh almost a two-horse race uh, as far as everybody's concerned is between the, the Angels and Texas. Victor, if the Angels do not wind up in the World Series, is this a disappointing season? I don't know. Uh, I, I think I don't, I don't necessarily think that. I think there's a lot of expectations. But as you said, uh, you know, Texas is a two-time defending American League champion. So you, you're still looking up at Texas. That, that's that's still the, the you know the, the team that you you have to beat out, and I, I think uh, there's going to be a lot of great games. I think there's 19 matches between these two teams, uh, and it's it's going to be a lot of fun. But I don't know that it'd be a, a huge disappointment. I, I think there'll be some that are uh, bummed out, but I think when you've got you know if you're playing in a division, and no disrespect to the other teams in the division, but if you you know if you're the Tigers, if you don't win the Central by a lot then that's a disappointment uh, just because those other teams aren't quite there. Uh, but when you've got a team that's the best team in your league the last two years, you know, it makes it a little bit more difficult. It's more of a challenge, and I think these guys are up for it. All right, Victor, well, we're less than two weeks away from that opening pitch at Angel Stadium, and we'll see, with the, like you said, against the Kansas City Royals. So we'll be looking forward to a bright and like you said, bright expectations of a 2012. I appreciate you joining me. And like I said, I look forward to seeing you at the ballpark a lot this year. Thanks a lot. You, you got it, Jimmy. Take care, buddy. All right, guys. That was Victor Rojas, voice of the Angels. And like we talked about, this is going to be, I mean, I'm listen, I live here in L.A. I'm, I'm outside by 20 minutes from Anaheim. This is the talk of the town. Everybody here is expecting this team to win. And I'm telling you right now, I, I mean, everyone I spoke to, it is World Series or bust. Uh, it kind of reminds me of my days back in New York when if the Yankees didn't win the World Series, it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't a successful season. I don't think it's that much pressure 
But I think this team at least has to get to the American League Championship uh, Series this year and for it to be considered a success with the amount of money they've put in. Uh, But the one thing that we never know about, the one thing that we can't determine are injuries. Uh, And, you know, there are some question marks with the Angels as far as Kendry Morales, if he's healthy, uh, what he brings to this lineup and what he does. Uh, This is going to be an exciting team. It's going to be an exciting year. And, uh... We'll see what happens. So less than two weeks away to that first pitch. We will be back the second half of the show. We are going to be joined by Chad Jennings of the Journal News to talk about the New York Yankees and what's going on over there in Tampa, Florida. So we'll be right back in about three minutes to talk Yankee baseball. to the pros we we cover everything everything. let your voice be heard voice america sports jim lawrence is a two-time world series champion motivational speaker and author of catching heat a brutally honest book about the highs and lows of a professional athlete and life after baseball most people know jim as a man who has always beaten the odds Jim has never forgotten that with hard work, dedication, and God's power, one can overcome anything. Visit JimLayritz.com to get a copy of Jim's book or to schedule Jim for your next corporate fundraiser or event. The address again is JimLayritz.com. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're inside the King's Corner, talking baseball with Jim Layritz. It's time to hear from you. Call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also send an email to info at jimlayritz.com. Now, back to the show. Uh, we are back, and of course, we covered the West Coast. We covered Arizona, some spring training, things going on there with the uh, Los Angeles Angels. And now we're going to shift gears a little bit, and we're going to head down back to the East Coast and some familiar territory that I'm used to, and that's Tampa, Florida, where we have Chad Jennings of the Journal News, who's covering the Yankees down there. And Chad, how are you doing today? I'm doing just fine. How are you? Well, I'm doing great. You know, I was originally getting you. I was really putting you on here to open up and start talking about Andy Pettit and his comeback and everything else. And we'll put that on hold right now because the big news 
coming out of Yankee camp today is the injury of Jabba Chamberlain. Can you tell me a little bit about what you uh, give, give us, give our viewers a little bit more of what's going on down there and, and what's happening yeah. with Jabba? Yeah, Jabba yesterday, uh, yesterday afternoon, he was at a uh, kind of a kid's recreational center with his son. His son's been down here for uh, about a week with him. And uh, it, I guess it's a place that had a, has a lot of trampolines or something like trampolines, jumping around, kids jumping around all day. And uh, apparently Jabba got in there and tried to play with his son some and, you know, fell, landed awkwardly, and he's an open dislocation of his right ankle. Um, sounds like, I mean, it's a pretty serious injury. He had surgery yesterday. Uh, the Yankees really aren't sure what this means for him long term. I mean, general manager Brian Cashman, he couldn't rule out, what well, he couldn't say whether this is season-ending, whether this is career-threatening. I mean, it's... It, it's kind of uncharted territory for them. He's already had surgery. He's going to be in the hospital for a few days. And uh, so it's not a very good situation. I mean, he, he was coming back from Tommy John as it was, and this is obviously a pretty significant setback. Yeah, Chad, where, where was he in, in relationship to possibly joining the team had this injury not happened? So I think he, they were looking at maybe the 1st of June for him to come back and, uh, and join the team. And, you know, it really looked like they were going to get Andy back around the 1st of May and then Jabba around the 1st of June. Um, had our Jabba had been throwing bullpens. He was getting close to facing hitters. I, you know, he'd been spinning some breaking balls in his bullpens now. He was making pretty good progress. In fact, he was, he was pretty far ahead of schedule. They were really impressed with just how quickly he'd come back and how strong he was. And uh, it really looked like things were going best-case scenario with him until, uh, until the incident yesterday. All right, well, that's a big, obviously a big, big blow. And like you said, it wasn't something they were counting on breaking camp. Uh, another thing they weren't counting on, and let's turn our, our, our attention to this one, is a Andy Pettit. And uh, I got a chance to listen a little bit about Andy's press conference the other day. Tell me a little bit about what you heard and, you know, the surprise that Andy Pettit is coming back and could possibly be, like you said, by early May, be pitching for the New York Yankees again. Yeah, it was pretty stunning. I mean, you know, Andy was down here at the end of February as a guest instructor and was talking about, you know, just how happy he's been spending time with the family and, you know, admitted that it kind of, being around the guys again, kind of piqued his interest again, but that he he made his decision to retire and he remembers why he did that and he's happy with the kids and all this. Um, it really seemed like an absolute... I mean, as far off the table as you can get. I mean, it didn't seem like, I don't think anyone was even paying attention to it, thinking about it. And it turns out that kind of behind the scenes for months now, uh, Andy has been talking to Cashman about the possibility of coming back. And, and they finally got a, a deal worked out. And, you know, Andy's here, minor league deal, $2.5 million. Uh, looks like he's going to be, if he goes through a normal spring training, should be ready to pitch again in the big leagues around the 1st of May. It's a, uh, this was already a, an overcrowded rotation. You know, they had six guys for, set for five spots, and now they have seven guys for five spots. And it looks like that rotation competition essentially just continues through the first month of the season because once Pettit's ready, he's going to take somebody's spot. Well, that was going to be my question. What has this done, and what have you seen this done, and have you had a chance to talk to some of these other guys like Phil Hughes and Freddie Garcia and some of the guys that are on that borderline? Have you had a chance to talk to them and about how they felt about this situation? Yeah, I mean, and they all say basically the same thing. You know, we've got to worry about ourselves. If I get the job done, then it's not going to be me. Um, but there's also, you can tell, I mean, there's obviously for, for guys like Phil Hughes, for Freddie Garcia, there's a little bit of a 
you know, was this move really necessary? You know, I mean, that you can't blame them for feeling like, you know, they thought they had a good grasp of the situation and what it was they needed to do, and now there's this other wrinkle thrown in. But ultimately, you feel like everyone's kind of approaching it with that, as long as I do my job, I'll stick around. Um, and I guess that's really the only way they can look at it. Andy says that he's had really good conversations with everyone, that he's, he has gotten along well with Garcia and, and you know, he knows Phil from the past. Um, so it, 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 there's no, I don't sense any real, like, tension or animosity or anything, but it certainly adds something to this competition that was already an, an overcrowded rotation as it was. Has there been any talk or anything? And I, like I said, I know it's early because Andy just threw his first bullpen yesterday or today, I think. And uh, has there been any talk about you know the, the possibilities of what the Yankees might, if they want to go make a trade with one of these guys, where they would try to shore up this team? Well, I don't know. No, there hasn't been anything about the specifics of that. Because I think largely right now the Yankees are approaching this with that whole, you know, never have too much pitching philosophy and you know they're not going to trade one of these guys now i mean that you can't they're not going to make a trade and then say you know now we're down to five and then you count on pettit to be your depth i think that they're going to break camp with five starters and with their sixth starter in the bullpen and then you wait until the first of may and then you know andy forces the hand and, and makes them make a decision um you know that could that could resolve itself in a trade it could resolve itself in you know a struggling guy with options being sent back down to triple a uh, could resolve itself any number of ways, and and Brian Cashman has acknowledged that that all of these guys are, you know, there's always the possibility that somebody gets traded or someone gets moved to uh, to open a spot. But right now, I think they're they're looking at it more like headed as a is kind of a bonus that's in camp, and so you you can't really just start trading away guys and opening spots right away because you can't necessarily right now absolutely count on a 39 year old who hasn't pitched in a big league game in 17 months. Right, right. Well, and I guess another big question, maybe it, 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 behind the scenes a little bit, I'm wondering, and you can tell me this too, a lot of the talk in camp so far is taking a look at some of these new pitching guys that they have and, you know, uh, as far as uh, Pineda coming over from Seattle. And I, I've heard a lot of talk, and I was watching the game the other day that he pitched. Uh, there's, some, there's some concern about his velocity. Is that something that yeah. – is a lot of talk right now, or is that just? Are they seriously concerned about that? Oh no, I think I think there's certainly a lot of talk about it. Um, now, I think the other side of that is I think they're happier than they expected to be with his changeup. They're happy with his slider. His secondary pitches are are maybe better than they expected, but the fastball has been, you know, ninety, ninety one, ninety two, top and out around ninety three, ninety four. Whereas I think last year a lot of times he was ninety three, ninety four, top out at ninety six or ninety seven, and so obviously there's some difference there, but the Yankees also look at this as it's a guy who's new to them. They don't, they don't know is this kind of what he is in spring training. You know, does the velocity come when he gets amped up in a game? Does it? Uh, is he a guy who's going to who builds arm strength slowly, and it's going to come? You know, in these last two or three starts of spring training, it's it, so far it's still kind of a mystery. I think it's an issue there. I mean, it's something that they're obviously monitoring and keeping an eye on because. They got this guy thinking they were getting a potential front of the rotation starter, and uh, and if the fastball's not there, I mean, you think he can probably still be effective. I mean, he's still getting out down here, but they want him to be more than a guy who's just effective and gets out. I mean, he's got the potential really if he's still got that huge fastball to really be a a, a legitimate second second ace behind uh, CC Sabathia at some point. 
Chad, another injury that happened last year, and have you seen any type of signs that maybe it's still bothering him in, in, in Ivan Nova? Has Nova been healthy this spring? Yeah, no, Nova's fine. I think that, that forearm thing he had last at the end of last year, I think that resolved itself pretty quickly over the winter. He he wasn't even uh, he wasn't behind schedule or anything showing up in the spring training. I think health health's not really an issue with him. If you had a pick of a, a five-man starting rotation right now, give me what your starting rotation for the New York Yankees starting 2012. Well, I think it's CC Sabathia, obviously, is an easy choice at one, and then they'll go Corota, and then I think they'll I think they'll break camp with Pineda, Nova, and Hughes with Freddie Garcia going into a bullpen role. I just think it makes too much sense for them to do that. You know, Freddie pitched well last year, but at this point, they've got to look at the future with some of these guys, and Bill Hughes has looked terrific in camp. I mean, he's, he's been the Yankees' best starting pitcher this spring. So Hughes needs that a spot. They need to figure out if Bill Hughes is the, the elite prospect, the a, a legitimate go-to, you know, middle-of-the-rotation guy for the future. They need to figure that out now. And, and I think that's why it makes the most sense to go ahead and break camp with him and see if he can do it. And it's similar with Nova and Pineda. It just, those are young guys that's still in their low to mid-20s, and they just need to see what they have. I mean, they, they you know, maybe if they really struggle, then you can move Garcia in or you replace one of those guys with Pettit. But I think it makes too much sense coming out of camp. They've got to find out what they have in these guys, and, and those are the five they'll carry. All right, let's turn our attention a little bit to the bullpen and tell me a little bit about what you've seen so far. I know David Robertson had a had a slight scare early on in spring training. Uh, how, has, how has the bullpen been balancing out, and what do you see happening there? Well, I mean, Mariano Rivera looks like Mariano Rivera. And then, you know, that's not something they're worried about. But, you know, Soriano's healthy, and, and that gives them another big arm at the end of the bullpen. Boone Logan, their lefty, he's, he's actually looked tremendous in camp. And then there's Robertson, who is coming off that big breakout year, all-star season, really was arguably the best setup man in baseball last season. And he has. With he, he had that bruised foot thing where he, he tripped. He sort of stumbled down a step at his house early this spring. And he's only pitched in one game. Um, otherwise, he's just been throwing bullpens, and he threw another batting practice today. And he's admitted that his, his command's not really where he wants it to be right now. And that may be just from having to sit out for a while. And, you know, you don't know, but he's basically got two weeks now to figure it out, you know, and get it all going again. Um, it's kind of hard to tell with him. It's hard to say where he is. He just hasn't pitched in enough games, hasn't really been throwing innings, hasn't faced hitters that often. So it's hard to say exactly where he is, but I think they're counting on him. I mean, they expect him to be, if not exactly what he was last year, certainly something close to it. I mean, they expect him to be a legitimate, go-to, reliable eighth-inning guy. And if it's not him, then the, the, where they're lucky is they do have uh, Soriano here to fall back on. Because obviously now it looks like they're not going to get Java Chamberlain at, 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 you know, two months into the season. Um, another wild card here in camp who hasn't been pitching is, is David Arsman. You know, they signed him to a minor league deal, former Mariners closer. He's coming off Tommy John. They're thinking they might be able to have him healthy and pitching sometime right after the all-star break. And, and that could be a nice addition for them. You know, if he, if he is able to get healthy and get going again, he's kind of a, a, a mid-season wild card for this bullpen. Chad, has there been any, any talk that this is, this is such an important year for this bullpen because of the lingering possible retirement, which we all feel is going to happen, of Mariano Rivera, and how will we see that transition slowly uh, take place, and how do you think the Yankees are going to handle that situation? 
Yeah, it, it was a, it was especially a topic earlier in camp, and and I think it is. It's kind of a it's an issue that's kind of hanging over this camp a little bit. You know, you do feel like this is the last the last go round for for Mo. But who replaces him is hard to say. I mean, look, you're not gonna no one's gonna do this again. I mean, there, there's not they're not gonna find someone who's going to step in and and do what Mariano Rivera has done. So you just try to find who else can who else can do that role, who can do it reasonably well and can live up to, you know, the expectation of, of New York. Obviously, Robertson's a candidate after that terrific season he had last year. If there's a long-term answer who's currently in the in the bullpen, it might be Robertson. Uh, short-term, you know, they've got Rafael Soriano under contract for this year and one more. So if Rivera retires this winter, Soriano could step into that role for a season as kind of a, a – you know, maybe maybe he is just sort of filling the hole temporarily, but he could be the guy who steps in just to do it for a year. They have Ardman under contract for another year. He's another former closer. And then beyond that, there are a lot of young arms in this, on this team. I mean, they've got a lot of talent in AAA, most of it in the rotation. But but we've always we've all seen AAA starters move into the bullpen and sometimes find their way into that ninth inning role. And they've got some guys. I mean, David Phelps, Adam Warren, Dellen DePantis. They've got some guys who are good young arms. But you just wonder, you know, if they don't have room for him in the rotation, could one of those guys maybe eventually transition into the bullpen and eventually move into that ninth inning? But all of that's so speculative and hard to hard to know right now. They've never really had to audition someone for that role in two decades. It's, it's been low, and, and now they're going to kind of venture into the great unknown if they if, if Rivera does retire. All right, let's talk a little bit about, you know, I had uh, Victor Rojas on earlier talking about the Angels rotation and about how strong that was. If you had a look at this Yankee pitching staff rotation and bullpen and put it up against the American League, and especially the American League East, do you see this as being being one of the strongest uh, pitching staffs in the, in, in the division? Oh, certainly one of the, one of the strongest. I don't know. I mean, I still think you take the Rays rotation over the Yankees rotation, but you probably take the, the Yankees bullpen at the top. Um, you know, the, the Blue Jays have done some things to get better. Orioles are still really young, and, and Boston just seems kind of like they might have some depth issues. You know, the back of the rotation, they're still trying to figure out. But ultimately, it's kind of the, you know, you've got that Rays rotation, which is probably the, the better than I would take the Rays rotation over the Yankees. But pitching staff as a whole, uh, you know, you might go Yankees there. All right. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk a little bit about the offense, uh, talk a little bit about what's going on there, some, some of the things that you've seen. And most of all, too, I want to finish up after we get done to talk about the little the situation with Bobby Valentine and the Red Sox yesterday. So we'll be right. right back after this break to talk more baseball with Chad Jennings of the Journal News. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Jim Lahrens is a two-time World Series champion, motivational speaker, and author of Catching Heat, a brutally honest book about the highs and lows of a professional athlete and life after baseball. Most people know Jim as a man who has always beaten the odds. Jim has never forgotten that with hard work, dedication, and God's power, one can overcome anything. 
Visit jimlayritz.com to get a copy of Jim's book or to schedule Jim for your next corporate fundraiser or event. The address again is jimlayritz.com. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america sports channel your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports You're inside the King's Corner, talking baseball with Jim Lairitz. It's time to hear from you. Call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also send an email to info at jimlayritz.com. Now, back to the show. We are back, and we are talking Yankee baseball with Chad Jennings of the Journal News. Chad's been down there covering these guys all spring training, and we just talked a little bit about the pitching, the rotation, the bullpen, how strong that is for the Yankees this year. Let's switch our attention, Chad, now to the offense and what and, and what the offense is this year. And you know, you look at this lineup, and it's just a a bevy of all stars with Teixeira at first, Cano at second, Jeter at short, A Rod at third. I mean, you just look at this team, and you go, "Wow, you know what?" I'll take this team, and I, I think I can manage it. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you've seen so far this spring training, and any areas of concern with any of these guys that, that that are going on right now. I know Derek Jeter. Let's talk about Jeter first. He had a little calf injury that uh, kept him out a little bit last year, of course, and of course this year. What is the concern with his injury? Uh, the concern's pretty low. He's in the lineup today. First time in about a week and a half of it, he's been in the lineup. He he, he just he felt something in his left calf. Uh, last Wednesday, I think it was. And last year it was the right calf that landed him on the DL. And this year I think, you know, as soon as Jeter said calf, that, you know, the Yankees said, well, you know, kind of too many flashbacks the last season and they decided to take it extra slow. Um, I don't think there's any big concern with it. I mean, he's been saying for several days that he hasn't felt anything and, and that he could play. But I think they're just being extra cautious with him. He's in there today. Uh, sounds like a, a you know, a minor thing, just kind of a little bit of a scare that, you know, I mean, almost kind of just reminds you that he's, he's getting a little bit older and they're, they're wanting to be cautious with him. Um, Nick Swisher has had a couple of kind of recurring groin situations. He felt something in his left groin about a week and a half ago and then just, I think it was two or three days ago, felt something in his right groin. Uh, he says it's just kind of tight. Uh, doesn't sound like, again, like a huge issue. They're giving him a few days to rest and make sure it's all right. Um, Otherwise, these guys are pretty healthy, and, and I don't think there are any. I don't think there's any real, you know, significant injury concern here. Um, if there's any concern at all, it might be with Raul Labanez. You know, they signed him this off season to be their DH against right-handers, and he's really looked bad this spring. I mean, he's hitting something like 058 or something like that. He, I think he has two hits all spring. He talked about some timing issues that he's been trying to work out, but but it obviously is. Uh, you know, for a fan base, this, this is their new guy. You know, this is the new guy brought in to kind of replace Jorge Posada. 
who was supposed to be replaced by Jesus Montero, and now instead you've got Ibanez, and he's struggling early in spring training. That's uh, I think that's got some fans concerned, but I think the Yankees are looking more at Ibanez's track record and trust him that he'll hit. And as far as Andrew Jones, Andrew Jones, I know the the other possibility at the DH spot right there. How's he look so far this spring? Uh, he's been all right. He, he's not. He's hitting about two hundred as well. He he hasn't had a a real strong spring, but again, he, I I don't think he had a very good spring last year either, and, and wound up hitting really well for them. Um, Abanez and Jones, you know, veteran guys, and they're both very specific right now. You know, Jones is going to hit against lefties. Abanez is going to hit against righties. And, and that's really the extent of their role. They're, they're not expecting either of them to, to play every day against, you know, left on left, right on right. I think they're, they're specifically here to, uh, to hit from one side of the plate, hit against one side uh, of the pitching staff. And, and that's what they'll do. They're trusting that those splits will stay there, even as they've, you know, they've gotten older. I think the Yankees are trusting that the one part of their game that'll stay is, is Jones' ability to hit, hit lefties and Abani's ability to hit righties. All right. You know, one of the things last year was big concern was 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 missing from the Yankee lineup, and I know watching him in the playoffs, and of course making the last out of the playoffs, is A Rod. How has A Rod looked to you so far this spring, and is there any sign of that hip or that knee bothering him at all? No, there's no sign of it. He actually looks really good in spring, um, but he looked great last spring too. And you know, with him, I don't think they I don't think they worry about whether he's going to be able to hit. I mean. Alex showed last year when he was healthy before he had the knee issue that he was hitting. Um, it's just a matter of at this point, he, he's just got to stay healthy. And it's been a few years in a row now that he's had trouble doing that. Um, he kind of keep he just keeps breaking down a little bit in his lower half. And I think that's more of a concern than, than whether he can be productive. So the fact he's hitting right now is obviously a good sign, but, but that's not what they're worried about. You know, they're worried about staying healthy over the long term, you know, being able to play. 150 games, um, and, and that's really something they can't figure out in spring training. They just don't know when something might strike. All right, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, we talk about the, how strong this team looks offensively, how strong it looks pitching-wise. You know, one of the strengths I remember when I always played is that we always had a bench of players that pretty much could start anywhere else. Uh, the Tim Raines, the Daryl Strawberries, you know, the Charlie Hayes, the guys that, you know, they can go out there and play. Where do you see this bench, and who do you see as an, really an instrumental figure on that bench that if one of these guys, like a Jeter or like an A-Rod, goes down, being able to come in and do the job and really uh, take away a little bit of a sting if one of these guys gets hurt? Well, I mean, Eduardo Nunez is big for them. He, he, he was a rookie last year at a utility role, and he's going to play quite a bit this season. I mean, they're going to try to give Jeter and, and Alex both some fairly regular DH days. And, uh, and it sounds like it's probably going to be Nunez getting most of the time at third and short when those guys are, uh, are kind of getting a half day off. They like him. I mean, he, he can hit. He's a real toolsy guy. You know, he's got some speed. Um, he's got range at short. He's got a big arm. He uh, has a little bit of pop for a middle infield guy. But he's just erratic. You know, he's young. He hasn't. He was kind of a part-time guy last year. And you saw some mistakes there. I mean, there were times, you know, when he'd sit for a while and then try to play. You know, maybe not getting regular at bats sometimes hurt his consistency. When uh, when guys were hurt and he was playing more regularly, he seemed to hit pretty well. Um, defensively, he can get to a ball, but he was oh, he threw the ball away a lot. He, he botched some grounders. You know, just those little things where he's, he's maybe maybe it's just a sign of youth. You know, maybe he's rushing it a little bit, but whatever it is, they're banking on a lot of that going away and, and him really being a more consistent performer this season because 
they're going to need him. They're going to want to rest Cheater, and they're going to want to rest Alex, and, and Nunez is really their guy. All right, you've had a chance to look at these guys. We're about, about uh, a little less than two weeks away from opening day. You look at this ball club, and, you know, where do you see this team as far as this division goes, and where, where, where would you pick them now after getting a good chance to see everybody? Well, I, I mean, I would still pick them as the favorite in this division. I mean, I think American League, you look at the, the Yankees and the Angels right now as, as the two kind of most interesting teams. Tampa Bay, you like a lot for their, for their pitching, but I just think the overall depth and just overall talent of this Yankee team is, is probably the best in the American League. Now, they don't have, I mean, I like the Angels rotation a lot because in front of it, you like the depth of that Tampa rotation. But both, I think both of those teams have more significant um, hitting and depth issues than the Yankees do. It's a uh, it's a good team that just needs to stay healthy. I mean, it, you know, they that's a dangerous middle of the order as long as Alex Rodriguez is on the field and and you know if maybe Teixeira can can get his numbers back a little bit more, you know, closer to that MVP level that he showed two years ago, as opposed to the past two years when he's been kind of an all or nothing power guy. Um, there are some questions there. But, and there's some eight there, obviously. But there's also enough talent that I think this is a team that, I mean, they obviously got enough talent. They could, they could make some noise. I mean, they could, this team could win a World Series. That's part of why Andy Pettit came back. It's right. just a matter of, of, of keeping guys healthy. And, and as always, you need some things to go right. I mean, you just need things to, some things to fall your way. All right. I, I, a quick one-minute synopsis of yesterday's Bobby Valentine situation. Tell me a little bit real quick. <laughs> Well, they, they, the Red Sox tied the game in the bottom of the ninth. Joe Girardi didn't announce that he's out of pitching and doesn't want to go into the tenth, which is kind of a common thing in spring training. Um, Bobby took exception to that because the Yankees technically had some other minor league kids that they brought up and were on the trip and technically could have played a tenth inning. Um, the Yankees didn't want to do it. Bobby was offended by that. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to say exactly why Joe didn't want to pitch those minor league guys. Could be because they have a split doubleheader today and it's a night game on the road. But it kind of, uh, you know, it's Yankees Red Sox. It turned into uh, it, add, it adds the fuel to the fire. Expect, right, right. So, <laughs> so you know, I think that, that this may be the kind of thing that's just going to happen some with uh, with Bobby now in Boston. You know, he kind of likes that. You know, stirring the pot a little bit and tweaking the Yankees from time to time. And I think that's a little bit of what last night was. Yeah, I, I think the Yankee Red Sox rival will be a lot more colorful this year with Bobby over in that other dugout. Sure. So Absolutely. It should, yeah. should be interesting. Well, Chad, listen, I appreciate the updates. I appreciate everything. I'm sure we'll be talking to you a lot during the season, and uh, I look forward to seeing you up in New York, man. Have, have a good one, and, I, and thanks again. Hey, no problem. I appreciate it. All right. That was Chad Jennings of the Journal News giving us everything Yankees. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's always interesting. It's always fun. I love the Bobby Valentine situation that happened yesterday. I think it just adds that much more fuel to the fire. Listen, we are less than two weeks away. We're actually five days away from the opening games in Japan. But you know what? That's Japan. I, do, I like to think about April 4th, April 5th being uh, the, the opening here for the baseball season. Of course, so many exciting things happening, and we're going to come to you next Friday with even more because by next Friday, these teams will have broke camp. 
They will be playing their little exhibition games. We'll have the Dodgers versus the Angels. We'll have the Yankees playing the Marlins in their new stadium. All these things happening by next Friday. So next Friday, please join us. We will have plenty to talk about. This is Jim Lair. It's the King's Corner. We are out. We're safe for another week. Thanks for tuning in to the King's Corner, talking baseball with your host, Jim Leyritz. We can't wait to have you come back next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great weekend.